Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. I hope you guys are enjoying City of Kitty Cats. Is that what this book's called, Kitten? No. What's it called? I don't know. What? I'm sorry. Um, that is going to get lost. If you take that. Okay, I'll do it. I let Peyton borrow my very expensive Bose earbuds. And I just found one randomly sitting on her bed. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's loud. Not happy. Chapter 12. Kid's gonna give me a nervous meltdown. Okay. I mean a nervous break. Oh my god. I'm tired. I can't even. I said it. A nervous meltdown. I'm in a nervous breakdown. Okay, anyways, chapter 12. As we descend, so does the temperature. It drops a little with every step, only there are no steps because the entrance to Mary King's clothes is like a set of stairs filed smooth. A downward slope lit only by dull yellow bulbs on the wall. Sheets hang in clotheslines overhead, and it's hard to believe that, that we're underground. Even with the damp air, it smells of earth and wet stone. But soon the ground levels out, and we reach the bottom of the slope. Well, that wasn't so bad, I say. Finley laughs. Oh, last, that wasn't the clothes. He takes my shoulder and turns me to the right. This is the clothes. Oh. It sprawls before me, a maze of narrow streets, covered door doorways, stone arches, and places where the light doesn't reach. I hear the distant drip of water and see shadows dancing on the walls. Jacob crosses his arms over his t-shirt. Well... This is just great. The camera crew sets up, testing their equipment and adjusting their lights. Oh, we almost forgot, Finley says. He hands Mom a small rectangular device. It looks like a walkie-talkie with a row of lights across the front. An EMF... (gasps) An EMF reader? Mom squeaks, delighted. Her voice echoes through the tunnels as she waves the device at me. Electromagnetic field, she explains, to measure the paranormal activity. She flips the switch and the meter emits a faint hiss, like the sound of a radio between stations. Mom swings it back and forth as if searching for a signal. Jacob shoots me a mischievous glance and it take and takes a step towards it. The device comes to life, emitting a low tone. What do you know, Mom says? It works. I think of telling her that it's just Jacob, but the last thing I need is for the show's crew to know my best friend's a ghost. Still, I have to admit, it's pretty cool seeing his presence register on the adv- on the device. Jacob sets back and the sound dies, leaving only a drip of water with the stone and a shuffle out of uh, and the shuffle of our feet. The wind whistles and I think I hear someone calling, just words out of reach. When Finley catches me straining to hear, he smiles. It's only just the old city playing tricks on us, he whispered. Or is it? said Mom with a wink. And then she turns the camera and the film starts. 
or filming starts. The trouble with Mary King's clothes, Mom begins, is goes back to the plague. When it comes to corpses, Dad offers in his teacher's tone, there are two great sources of history, sickness and war. And Scotland has had plenty of both, Mom adds. Dad picks up the story, passed between them like a, a relay baton. When the plague, plague came to Edinburgh and people fell sick, the healthy were so afraid that the ill sometimes of the ill that sometimes they buried them before they were dead. I shuddered and looked at Jacob, and he looks back at me with eyes wide in mock horror, or maybe real horror. It's hard to tell with Jacob actually when he's scared or just humoring me. This is this is how it is between us. He pretends to be scared even when he's not. I pretend to be not scared even when I am. I move closer to them to him even though jacob's not flesh and blood i feel better next to him we stand at the edge as close as we can without putting an elbow through through his side the veil taps my shoulder and my fingers tighten reflex reflexively on my camera strap don't even think about it jacob warns don't worry i think back the veil dances at the edge of my sight trying to tempt me to turn and look but i don't there's a darkness to it here, a malice, like the energy of Gayfriars Kirk, Greyfriars Kirk. How do you make a ghost, Mom asks, speaking softly now, as if she's sitting on the edge of my bed. Ooh. 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 Maybe, it, maybe it's how a person lived, but I've always believed that it's how they died. She wraps her knuckles on the nearest wall. There's a reason we called these spirits restless. This isn't at all like those cheesy ghost shows on TV. The way my parents speak, it's like my mom's reading a story out loud. Like dad's lecturing at the front of his class. They're naturals, and I'm so drawn by their voices that for a few minutes I forget to be afraid. Forgetting that we're standing in a buried maze surrounded by bones. When I glance sideways and find a pair of eyes staring at me from a pale face, I yelp, knocking backwards towards Finley. Cut, calls the cameraman. Cameraman. Ugh, sorry, I stumble. I mumble and feel guilty about ruining the take. I saw the second cameraman swings his light shadow. It glances off the plastic sheen of a wax figure. Oh, Finley said. These are all over the place for ambiance. That's perfectly normal, says Jacob dryly. Not messed up at all. Mom and Dad film the crew, and Finley heads down the hall. When I start to follow him, the tap-tap weakens a little. I turn and survey the corner, taking a step in, towards another direction. The veil gets stronger. If this were a game of hot and cold, I'd be getting warmer while my parents head straight into icy water. Mom and Dad may be brilliant, but they don't clearly know a thing about finding actual ghosts. I wait until they're between takes and the little red camera light is off before calling out this way, this way, way, way. My voice echoes. Mom and dad double back and the crew trailing behind them. Find something? Asked Finley. I shrug. Just a feeling. We both move through a low doorway. The world closes in and the, the ceiling fan to just above dad's head. A narrow room, no windows, all stone. It reminds me of a tomb. The camera starts rolling, and then the EMF meters go off again. But this time, Jacob is nowhere near it. The volume shifts from a low tone that it made before to a high whine, practically a wail. 
Well, this is a whole lot of nope, Jacob says, backing away. Don't you dare leave me here, I hiss in my head. I've never been that claustrophobic, but I'm starting to wish that I'd stay street side. While mom and dad are filming, I retreat to the hall and I don't notice the tap, tap, tap rushing behind me until it's too late. The veil reaches out. When the lower streets were bricked over during the plague, dad says, it grabs my, it grabs at my shoulders. Some of the victims were buried inside. It clutches at my sleeves. Cass warns Jacob as I squeeze my eyes shut. I won't, I turn, I won't turn around. I won't look, I won't. But in the end, it doesn't matter. The veil is part of me and I gasp as the cold air floods my lungs and I'm dragged under. Mary King's close is full of ghosts. They cough, call out, shuffle past. Someone lets out a hacking sound. A bundle of rags on the ground roll over and there's a person, was a person, in there. Bricks are piled over the damp ground. Half-built walls rise and fall on every side. Somewhere nearby, a a fist pounds dully on stone. Jacob groans and runs a hand through his messy blonde hair. Cass, I didn't mean to, I say. I know, he answers, crossing his arm over his chest with a shiver. Just let's get out of here. I look around. The film crew and Finley and my parents have disappeared, swept behind the curtain. If I strain, I can still hear them, their their voices ghostly echoing. But when I reach for the veil, my hand finds something too solid, more like a wall than a curtain. That's not good. I try to swallow, rising in panic as this as a skeletal man hobbles past an old woman sobs a family huddles together for warmth jack jacob inches towards me and the air around us is thick with fear and and loss and illness a ripple moves through the ghost and their heads turning as they notice me an intruder in their death their memories their world a skeletal man the skeletal man stops walking the old woman narrows her milky eyes a family glares. Cassidy, whispers Jake, Jacob. I reach for the veil, hoping to catch part of the curtain to cross back again, but it holds me firm under, it holds firm under my touch. I keep trying. This has never happened before. The ghosts are moving now towards us. Jacob, I say slowly, trying to keep the panic out of my voice. A little help. Stay calm, he says. I'll get us out of here. He puts his hand on my arm, and I can feel the bones of his fingers as he grip, his grip tightens. Still, nothing happens. Jacob? He grunts like he's trying to lift something heavy. I can tell he's trying to pull us back through the veil, but only it's definitely not working because we're still here, and the ghosts are still coming towards us, bringing with them a wave, menace, malice, anger, terror, sickness, sorrow. It feels like ice water in my lungs, like aching cold in my bones. I can't peel apart the two. I can't separate my memories from theirs. What once felt like what they do now over and over again. Jacob, I gasp breathlessly. I'm trying. I inch back until I'm standing against the wall. My hands fumble for the camera on my neck, clinging to it like a tail talisman. A reminder, a reminder of what's real. My fingers brush brush one of the buttons and the flash goes off a flare of light bursts from my hands a sudden dazzling slash of white in the darkness of the tunnels the ghosts draw back some shielding their eyes others blinking as if blinded but it won't last and but in the second 
in the stolen second, Jacob grabs my hand and pulls me through the gap of the line of ghosts, and we run.